Hey everyone, saddle up and get yourself ready for the Horse Business Advice Podcast, where I share tips and insights for horse business owners around the world on all kinds of things to do with running your business. I'm Melody, online horse business coach, mother, lover of horses, collector of far too many saddle pads, and unicorn obsessed. I'm absolutely passionate about helping equine-related businesses get the confidence to move forward and get organized enough to be able to still have a life and a business at the same time. Now, I don't want you out there struggling to find the help you need, wondering what the hell to do next. I'm here to tell you that you do not have to go on this journey of horse business alone. So come along and join my free Facebook group, Equine Entrepreneurs Horse Business Advice, and be part of a really supportive and thriving community of horse business owners from around the world. It's Melody here and in today's episode of the Horse Business Advice Podcast, we are talking to Trish Woolcock. Now, Trish is a horse mad gal from WA, Western Australia, and her business is Pemberley Bookkeeping. She's been in the bookkeeping industry for over 15 years and loves being able to help small horse businesses get on top of their finances. So welcome, Trish, and thank you for joining me. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Over 15 years makes me sound old, though. Well, I mean, obviously you started when you were three, so it's okay. So, Trish, first thing, tell us about your business. Uh, Obviously, you're a bookkeeper. You're also a bookkeeper specifically for horse business owners. What exactly does a bookkeeper do for those in the back of the room that weren't paying attention? Well, there's lots of things. Uh, we can do everything relating to finances or we can just do uh, specific things. Um, <clears throat> I have a few clients that I look after everything. So I do the day-to-day entry, I enter their expenses, I enter money received, uh, reconcile the bank feeds. Uh, for some clients, we can process payroll, uh, superannuation payments. Um, <clears throat> but for other clients, they like to do the day-to-day themselves. And then we just review the information, make sure things are going in the right place. Um, and then because I'm a registered BAS agent, so that's relating to Australian businesses, um, yep. if they're registered for GST, which is a tax here, um, you need to have your bookkeeper to be a registered BAS agent, which means we can then lodge uh, business activity statements for you. Yep. Um, and single touch payroll and things like that. There was a lot of lingo in there that, you know, your average horse business owner might have tried to politely not fall asleep at because there's so many uh, technical financial terms. But, you know, basically, are you basically taking away the need for us to track and, uh, you know, enter all of our financial gook into some software is that basically is it is it the bookkeeper's responsibility to um uh to keep track of profit and loss and that sort of thing like how does that work yeah so it's again if we're looking after it all for you then yes that's what what we would do you'd give us you know all of the things that you'd spent 
um, you know, and tell us what income um, was what, and that, and we can record all of that for you. Whether that's usually in a in an accounting software, mm-hmm. um, and then we can explain to you what that actually means. So we can run reports, like you said, but profit yep. and loss report, um, and explain what that means for your business. So how your business is looking. You're basically tracking. We we help you track your business finances, pretty much. Yeah, right. Okay. So, I mean, that's obviously something that a lot of us horse business owners want somebody else to do because we don't really love masting as much as you do, Trish. No. No. So, I mean, you know how I feel about accounts and I'd rather run a mile, although I am on top of them, but I would rather not have to be. Um, lots of people so, like running away. Yeah, lots of us <laughs> like running away. So, as a bookkeeper for people that have horse businesses, what's the biggest mistake that you see this kind of business make with their finances? Probably the biggest one, and I know I harp on to my clients about this a lot, is not having a separate business bank account. That's got to be one of the biggest things because I I think probably the, the worst thing is that it takes us as bookkeepers, like if you are going to outsource your bookkeeping, it takes us so much longer to do the reconciling and to enter everything that's come through the bank account because we have to wade through all of the uh, personal expenses and the business expenses because they're all in one place. So that's yeah. probably the first one is is not having a separate business bank account. And nowadays you can have a bank account um, with no fees. Like it's, it's really yeah. easy to do. So... Um, and actually, I had a client the other day say to me, oh, but I didn't actually open up a proper business account. And I said, no, it's fine. Um, it doesn't have to be a specific, you know, business account with your bank. It can just, because most people are sole traders as well, Yep. Um, it can just be another bank account in your name that is separate to your personal one. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also mm. would stop surely having a separate business account would stop people dipping into their personal money and therefore not being able to track just what their spending is on their business like surely having it all blended in together turns it all into a blur and you start using business money for personal and personal money for business and that's got to get messy not only from a bookkeeping point of view but also from running a business surely well, that's exactly right. That's the next thing is, you know, not keeping accurate records because yeah. it makes it really hard yeah. for you actually, you know, and especially if you then get behind because then you're having to wade through, you know, three or six months worth of personal and business transactions and trying to figure out what you did and when. Um, yeah. and, and probably the other thing on top of that is not having a basic understanding of what's required in their area of them Um I suppose legally in a tax sense. Yeah. So probably having a, I mean, it's not saying that you have to understand everything, you know, all the ins and outs of, of what's, you know, what you have to do. That's what, you know, bookkeepers can help with. But at least having sort of a basic understanding that, you know, do you need to register for GST? Do you, um, you know, do you have to have an ABN? Do you, those sorts of things. What sort of insurance should I have? Yeah, right. And so that's, is that something that is, uh, the bookkeeper can advise people on um, within reason? Advise, 
Yeah, within reason. So we can advise on things like your GST um, and also with you know, most businesses, if you're running it as a business, you have to have an ABN. So that's also something we can help with. Yep. Uh, insurance and things like that's not really our sort of area, but it's something yeah. that we usually advise people have. Um, Makes sense. So um, for the Australian listeners, let's just quickly tell them the GST thing. So tell us when when do we have to register for GST exactly? So registering for GST is optional up until you've earned a gross um, amount of seventy five thousand. Um, yep. Yeah. In, in income. In yep. a year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes, but it's a rolling twelve month period, so it's not a financial year. A lot of people get caught out by that and say, "Oh, well, this financial year I didn't actually." go over the threshold whereas you'll find that if they run the, the proper 12 month period they sometimes have yes so up until that point you don't have to register for gst there is nothing saying um that you you should um but once you hit that threshold you have 21 days yeah register. right and that's seventy five thousand, and you said gross and that's really important because a lot of people when i am talking to them they say well i haven't made a profit of 75 grand yet and actually, mm. it's not $75,000 profit. It's how much money comes in. So, yep. and that's what Trish is talking about is that gross. So $75,000 of your sales. Yep. So that's really important. So then if we, if we, um, that if we are getting close to that 75000 then from what you've said, if it's a rolling 12 months, then what we would need to do is once a month, we would need to run a 12-month profit and loss, Right. And yep, to sell or, tw- or run the figure of how much sales have we made in the last 12 months, regardless of whether it's June, August or November, yep. right? We just yeah, run right. 12 months. Yeah, okay. And that, I mean, you know, so that's really useful, obviously only for the Australian listeners, but there's plenty of them. So thank you for explaining that. So now what... In your opinion, what's the best way to keep track of expenses if you're one of those people that you're always on the run, never sat in the in front of a computer, you know, we don't a lot of a lot of horse business owners are outdoors people. They work in their cars, they work in the barn, they work down at the stables, and the last thing they want to do is sit in front of a computer for 16 hours. So, do you have a favorite thing? program something app whatever what's your what's your go-to um i'm not i probably well actually i'm telling a lot i do have a favorite yep <laughs> i never used to i um i used to be a staunch mild user um but a lot of programs so as a general um overview a lot of the accounting programs nowadays will have apps as well as their desktop programs. Yeah. So um, Zero and QuickBooks are probably the better one, the better apps mm-hmm. for being able to enter on the go. Myob hasn't quite caught up yet with you can enter your receipts in that you can take a picture and send it to your file, but you can't actually enter it on the run. Um, but out of those, Zero is probably my favourite because you can um, do most things from your zero app you can send invoices you can take pictures of your receipts and you can um, enter them straight away if you wish Um, but the other thing too is that regardless of what you use you probably still do need 
to occasionally sit in front of your computer. Yes, at least <laughs> for none you. None of the apps, yeah, none of the apps have the full program on yep. on, on them. Um, so while they're good for keeping up to date on the run, I still recommend trying to look at them on a computer regularly, whether that's only once every couple of weeks or mm -hmm. whatever it is. It doesn't have to be every day, but definitely setting aside a little bit of time to look at it. Or we pay a bookkeeper to run all those reports for us and email us and tell us stuff that we need to know. That's the yeah, other that. <laughs> for those for those people listening to this who are literally allergic to sitting in front of the computer, then perhaps they can then, you know, do it that way. So Definitely. Yep. Yeah. So then if we've got an app like Zero, then Keeping track of stuff should be pretty easy. Like you go and put fuel in your car. And of course, a lot of our um, audience are saddle fitters and massage therapists and trimmers and the instructors that go places. You go to the fuel station, put fuel in your car, put the receipt on your knee, get your phone out, take a photo of it and add it to the app there and then on the spot, right? You don't need yep. to have a shoebox full of receipts at the end of the year, do we? No, no, because the ATO have... Um, approved uh, as long as you have a digital copy mm -hmm. of your receipt that can't be altered um, then they which you know once you store it in in a program like zero or Maya or QuickBooks um, then they're happy to to take that as a, yeah. as, a, as, a as a proof of expense and so again for the listeners um, ATO's Australian Tax Office if you're listening from overseas obviously some of these things are going to be slightly different for you so do check with your local government regulations and make sure that you know what you're allowed to do but there's you know that... I think I've had a little look about um, the rules overseas but I believe it's still the same in keeping records though. right um, so they still do need to they, keep yeah that of their expenses yeah. it does make sense it does make sense and it also means then then now if we've got now we can connect zero up to uh payment processes like stripe and paypal and square and all of that sort of connect, connect to square i can't remember all that sort of thing um then it means then we could actually invoice people on the go and have them pay straight away couldn't we yes definitely mm. and so if, if I didn't know how to drive zero, that's something that a bookkeeper could do, would be to set that all up so that then I could get to clients and just press the right button that someone has pre-set up for me mm. and then yep. give it to the person and send it to them and they're in, yeah, that's all going to work, right? Yeah, definitely. And also we I like helping, um, and a lot of other bookkeepers do as well, helping you to actually be able to do that yourself. Yeah. So even if it's a couple of clicks of a button, at least having the knowledge to be able to, yeah. to do that so that you can um, get out there and if you are on the go, and because I know a lot of people that you talk to and that I've talked to have mm. issues with collecting payments sometimes, especially your massage therapists, mm. um, you know, uh, some farriers even. So it's it's definitely helpful to be able to have those tools. Yeah, yeah, so awesome. So um, and if we're going to get a program like Zero or QuickBooks or if anybody's crazy enough to go to Maya, because Trish and I don't like Maya anymore so much, 
but um, what do we just go online to zero or do we do it through a bookkeeper or what do we do there? It is possible to do it yourself. You can sign up online um, and, and sort of go from there. However, I'd recommend looking into getting someone to set it up for you at least initially only because things can be, um, if you have no sort of knowledge in, in that area, it can mm -hmm. be a little bit tricky to set up in yeah. that um, you need to make sure that you have things in the right place to begin with. Yeah. Uh, because if you don't start off with it right, it means lots of trouble down the track. Okay, so we would sign up online to zero, or would we just say to a bookkeeper here and, and pay the bookkeeper for the zero access? You can do either. So mm -hmm. um, the other thing you can do, um, well, I know what I do for a lot of my clients is because I'm a zero partner, I get discounts on um, some of the products that they offer. So um, I can usually pass that on. Um, to the clients, either that or the client can have the subscription themselves. Yeah. Um, but either way, the setup, um, yeah, you can pay um, a bookkeeper to do the setup for you um, so that it's done and then yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, because, I mean, the truth is there are some people out there that don't even want to go signing up on websites and doing all that sort of stuff. They want someone else to do that. So it's really yep. good for them to know that if you want someone else to do stuff like that, then a bookkeeper is who you're looking for. And sometimes also you can you also don't have to feel um, stuck with that bookkeeper either. Like mm. I, I mean, not that you know. For instance, if someone came to me and said, "I'd like you to set up zero, but I'd like to do it myself," I'd go, "Okay, no worries. Yeah. It's going to cost this much to set up, and you have the subscription. Off you go." Yeah, you know that's that's fine too. That's yeah. you know doesn't mean that you have to then use their services ongoing. You can just engage our services for just that one thing yeah that's that, I mean that's handy to know as well so Trish a lot of business owners that I talk to are so behind in their accounts it's it's horrifying in fact and some of them are years behind which makes me twitch and sweat just hearing that can you give us some advice on the best way to catch up and then stay in front like you know Trish I'm coming to you I'm three years behind I'm, I'm having anxiety attacks, I can't sleep, what am I going to do? What is the advice that you would give to that person? Uh, I think the first thing is they've done the right thing coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> starters. Um, but also one of the things I was going to say is the quickest way to catch up is to outsource because yeah. once you get that far behind, it gets very overwhelming. Um, and especially if you're not sure what you're doing in the first place, mm. it, it can be a lot easier and less stressful to just go, please fix this because yeah. we do it all the time. So because we're doing this every day, it's our job. We, it probably will take us a quarter of the time that it would take someone to. So while some people might be worried about the expense of it um, and things like that, that's the the easiest and most stress-free recommendation is that you just get someone experienced like a bookkeeper to just catch you up. Yep. Um, and, then, and then going forward, you can get some training uh, perhaps to, to get them to show you what to do to stay um, caught up and then also uh, set aside time to religiously do it. So if you, I know that sounds awful, everyone hates having to set aside time, <laughs> but it is the best thing to do because you don't get stressed then. You don't get overwhelmed because you're doing it regularly. It it doesn't 
Yeah. Or either that or you might find yourself in a position that you're caught up and you're in a better position than you thought. So you can have the person who caught you up keep going and, and do it for you. I mean, Trish, let's be honest, we're happy to set aside time to ride our ponies and to look online and shop for purple sparkly saddle pads, but we do feel a little bit more reluctant about the whole setting out time to spend number crunching. Um, and I, um, I'm that person too. And I, I can get so far behind I mean, you know, I can get far behind. I get, you know, so the only way I can do it is my phone beeps at me at two o'clock on a Friday afternoon and tells me a list of things that I need to do. And if I do it every Friday, I transfer balances, I record this, I catch up with that. I send this information off, uh, then I'm up to date. But if I don't do that religiously, Six weeks has passed and I'm freaking out because I've forgotten what happened six weeks ago. Mm. I forgot what that yep. payment was for. Like, what did I spend that money on? So, mm. yeah, definitely, I definitely like that advice of keeping up and scheduling time in, even though it's not for riding our horse. So, Trish, I've got another question for you that comes up a lot with my clients when I'm looking at profit and loss statements. Like I'll often when I start working a client with a client, I will go through their profit and loss with them so we can get a bit of a, an idea of position. And I've realized that a lot of uh, people don't know the difference between an expense and a cost of sale. Um, what's the difference? Can you explain the difference to the audience? And can you tell us why we need to know the difference? Okay, so essentially, the in a nutshell, um, cost of goods or cost of sales is something that's directly related to you making money. So as an example, if you are someone who sells products like purple sparkly saddle pads, your, <laughs> your cost of sales or cost of goods sold would be those purple sparkly saddle pads. That's something that you buy in to then sell. Mm -hmm. Or if you are manufacturing something, so making something, if you're doing uh, making brow bands um, uh, or if you're making um, bars or creams or anything like that, the raw materials to make those, so the ribbons and the bands and, um, you know, the, the bits and pieces that go into um, those products, they are also your cost of, cost of sales. Mm -hmm cost of goods um, and then on the flip side the expenses are anything that's incurred in the day-to-day -day running of your business so it's not something that's directly related to selling a product or selling a service but it's something that you still need to run your business so things like advertising telephone costs uh, rent if you have to rent somewhere um, wages if you employ people um, insurance, those sorts of things are your expenses. So they're not directly related to your um, selling your goods, but they are something you need to run your business. Yeah, right. So then the uh, would it be a good way to explain the difference is that expenses are something that regardless of whether you have one client or 50 clients, they are the things that don't change and cost yep. of sales is is something that changes depending on how much, um, how many clients you have, how many sales you, you make. Is that a, Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's right. And then 
<clears throat> the reason why I'll move on then to why we need to know the difference is because when we're looking at the reports, so when we mm. are looking at a profit and loss report, um, you usually compare your sales or your income mm -hmm. to your cost of goods. So for instance, um, as an, I'll give you an example for my business. I provide subscriptions, um, software subscriptions to clients. So if I was looking at my income that subscriptions generated yep. versus yep. the cost of sale, so how much it was costing me, if it was costing me more money than the income coming in, then we've got a problem. And so that's when people can start looking at, okay, I've sold, you know, 20 purple sparkly saddle pads, but it's actually cost me money to buy them in. And the only yeah. way you can know that is if you separate out those cost of goods or cost of sales um, and see how much things are actually costing you. And yeah. Then you can actually have a good look at it. And that makes sense. And it also makes sense for us to know how much our business costs us to run before we start buying in purple sparkly saddle pads and selling them because yep. somewhere in our pricing that has to get um, taken into account somehow like we can't just say this saddle pad cost me $50 to buy in so I'm going to sell it for 60 my profits 10 that's not the case at all because that 10 has to cover a, a percentage of our expenses right yeah, so definitely. we need to know how much our business costs us to run before we've done anything. So, um, yeah, so things like the, the, the kind of things that are often felt like it's a grey area is things like postage and for businesses that are product-based and for service-based businesses, is fuel a cost of sale or an expense? It possibly could be. You could have it in either category. Um, but I think the other issue that you've got there is that generally if you're not using your business vehicle or your vehicle for 100% business, you do then, um, you know, this is why your accountants will say to you, do you have a logbook? Mm -hmm. <laughs> have you done a logbook? Um, what's percentage? Um, and that's why they'll ask because then <clears throat> we will need to, um, you know, percentage out the costs of, of fuel and, and repairs and things like that. So generally... Um, most of the time we'll have it as an expense rather than mm -hmm. an actual. So that, that makes it then the exception to that, that rule that I, well, I didn't, it's not a rule, but a thing that I just said was that if yep. it's um, something that whether you've got one client or 20 or 50, but because it's to do with a vehicle, it's a little bit yep. different. So is, yeah. postage and freight is a cost of sale, right? Um, yes, I would, especially if it's directly related to um, your business. So like you said, product-based businesses, you know, mm. if they are hosting their products and then on charging that post to their customers, then yes, because yeah. again, it's something that um, I think we went through this, I went through this the other week with a client having a look at um, what their postage, what their income was from postage versus what they were actually spending on postage. And then that flagged an area for them to look at and go, oh, actually, yeah. I need to, to raise, you know, my pricing on, on that area because they were losing money. Yeah, and that's so important to be looking at our profit and loss and that sort of expense because there's no point leaving it until the end of financial year and realising that you have been taking a loss for a whole 12 months. Mm. So, Trish, um, what if 
the listeners are not techie and they don't know how to drive something like Zero, what can they do? Well, there's a couple of different options. Again, we can we talked about outsourcing before, so they can outsource someone to help, um, you know, and and just go. I don't really understand what I'm doing here, so can you help? Um, the other thing is, you know, if you're only just starting out, money can usually be a bit of a a bit of an issue. So the main thing is is to track your finances somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I'll usually recommend something like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, there's a couple of products that I know of as well that can, um, like spreadsheet products where you can actually put in your information and it does give you um, a couple, like a profit and loss and, and yep. things like that. But it's just to have actually somewhere to record it. So even if you're not that techie, you can you can find something that, that suits. So you have um, a horse business set of spreadsheets that you uh, offer clients, don't you, that, that don't want to go into that uh, Myob or Zero or whatever. Um, yeah. but, but even then, like for those people who then say, God, I don't even know how to drive Excel. Do I have to go to a computer? What are those people going to do? Are we, you know, are we literally buying an exercise book, Trish? Uh, yes. Not ideal, but yes. <laughs> but yes. Bookkeeper's and nightmare. Again, it comes down to, I think, um, how how much you want to progress and grow, um, you know, because that, that's, that's, again, it's fine when you're first starting out if you have to, but it's not what I'd recommend because if you're going to, if you're going to have a good crack at having a, a horse business, you, you probably need to do a little bit of, a um, little bit of upskilling on yourself to to be able to at least understand the basics. Yeah. Great advice. I love it. Let's let it lets everybody upskill. Love it. <laughs> okay, before we sign off, I have one last question for you, Trish, and that is what bookkeeping related advice have you got to somebody who's starting out in their horse business journey? What would you say Number to somebody one. who's just started? Number one, get a business bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's not an actual business transaction account with your bank. A separate savings account or online account is fine. Yep. Um, number uh, number two, work out how you're going to keep records. So mm. work that out from the beginning. Sit down and go right. What's what's my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Um, I'm going to start out with Excel because I kind of know how that works. Or no, I'm going to start out with Zero or my or QuickBooks or whichever. Because uh, I've got a little bit of experience <clears throat> in those, um, and then also, like I said before, upskilling. So learn the basics of what's required in your area. Mm. So um, I know in Australia, there's a couple of good um, websites via either the ATO or business.org.au, I think it is, and it has lots of little articles on uh, steps to take, things that you should think about when you're starting a business, um, things that you need. Yeah, uh, and, and things like that, and then also the dreaded, regularly set time aside to look at your books <laughs> before we go and ride our horse. Yes, even yeah. if and it doesn't even have to be long. You know, a lot of people seem to think, oh, it has to be like three, four, five hours. But if you're doing it regularly enough, it can only be half an hour sometimes. Yeah, fifteen minutes. Absolutely, I reckon I spend fifteen minutes. I've got it down to a fine art. 
Um, And that's, I probably spend 15 minutes once a week and then once a month I'll spend a little bit longer with a highlighter pen and what have you. But, yeah, I've definitely um, streamlined that so that less is, I spend as little time as possible looking at numbers because, you know, my eyes get all funny and glaze over and tell me that I need to go and ride. So, um, thanks heaps for being on this podcast, Trish. Really appreciate it. You've given us a whole lot of information about keeping track of our figures and all of the, you know, what a bookkeeper can do for us, what to do if we're behind. Um, For those listening, if you want to read more, connect with Trish, Uh, have a look at the show notes we're going to put in the show notes we're going to put some information about how to find her Um, she's got horse specific horse business specific excel templates that you can use if you don't have anything Uh, and we might even pop the links to those government sites for the Australian listeners that you mentioned Trish because they might be also handy Um, so yeah thank you so much really appreciate you coming and talk to us Yeah, awesome. All right, we will catch you later. Bye.